Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we're talking about the new Disney movie, Cruella, which is on Disney Plus, also in theaters. And Katie, I thought this was a pretty good prequel to The Devil Wears Prada. So, Jared, I agree <laughs> with you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> At first, okay, this is just so typical. You said it. I bought it for a second, and then I was like, wait a minute. Oh, but Jared, don't you see the similarities, t- though, a little I bit do. between the Jared, two? I do. I have some bad news for you. This wasn't the prequel to no. The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, it wasn't? Emma Thompson is not Meryl Streep? Okay. No, no. But <laughs> okay. she she would have been good in that, too. Yeah. So, so we're talking about Cruella today, though. So a remake, not really a remake, but uh, I mean, obviously based on a Disney character that has already mm-hmm. been around for a while, but uh, they do something a little original with it, give her kind of a more of a backstory. So, yes. and we both enjoyed it. So I think yes. this is if Disney's going to do like live action remakes of stuff, this is probably the type of like movies that they should do instead of... I- just like shot for shot remakes of the lion king so yes i did the ooh burn i wish we had a burn noise we should incorporate that let's get let's table that for later okay i'll find um, something (laughs) but i i kept calling this an origin story for cruella Deville. yeah is that fair yeah i think that's perfectly fair so i think that's excellent thank you very accurate so um we are pre-recording of course still some episodes so our format's just a little bit different um this episode we do have recommendations and a little news and things like that um and then the next episode we will not have that because we're recording these both on the on the same night. So just FYI for you if yes. you're expecting that on our next episode. So we do have some recommendations, though. I don't really have any news. There hasn't been a lot of movie news happening Mm-mm. recently because things are starting to get back to normal. Re- release dates aren't shifting as much now. Things are just kind of coming out when they're supposed to or when their release date was set, you know, six months ago. And it seems like that's going to be the trend. It doesn't seem like we're going to stop anytime soon with releases. It seems like we're kind of back to normal after we had quiet place part two and in the Heights and, you know, Cruella all coming Mm -hmm. out. It seems like, and those doing fairly well at the box office, it seems like we're kind of movie studios are are kind of like, okay, we'll go ahead with our big releases throughout the rest of the summer and kind of just roll these out because we think they're going to do fairly well. So so we do have some recommendations, though. Um, I have two recommends for this week. Do um, tell. I, I have started watching, along with my girlfriend, Allison. We started watching Mayor of Easttown on HBO. Ooh. I don't know if you watched that yet, Katie. No, but I need to watch it. Do you think I need to watch it? Yeah, I think you would enjoy it. So, okay, all right. I'm adding it to a list Kate right Winslet, now. Kate uh, Winslet, the lead actress in it. It's a crime drama, detective drama. We're about halfway done. It's only seven episodes, so they're all about an hour each, so it won't take you long to cruise through it. So, But I'm through episode three right now, and it's very enjoyable so far. There's four left. Um, Kate Winslet doing a great job in this, and it's very well written. And, you know, it's an HBO show, so it's pretty solid. So, Well, excellent, because I'm pretty sure that Arjun has HBO right now, because that's how we watch the Friends reunion. Yes. So I've added that to my list. I've got some time off coming up. Consider it done. There you go. Check out Mayor of Easttown on, and it's M A R E Mayor of Easttown. I That's thought it was right. I thought it was, I thought it was mayor, mayor. Like she yeah. was the mayor She's of Easttown, but no. her name is Mayor M A R E. You're right. You're right. So M A R E. Like yes. a mayor, like a horse. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So. Got it. 
Thank you. There you go. Also, my other recommend is not a show, but it's a, a service. So now that I've moved, I have an AMC close to me now. So I signed up for mm. AMC A-List, the $20 a month, and you can see three movies a week, basically. So, And I've really Dang. liked it so far because I saw Quiet Place Part 2 and Cruella with it. And that those two alone already cost more than the price of my membership. So I've already saved money by signing up Dang, for that. So I wish I had that. I have Cinemark where I okay. am. And I love the service, but it's it's uh I want to say it's eleven a month. Okay. No, I think it's only not it's nine to eleven. I don't know why okay. those are the numbers that I remember, but you get a movie credit. Okay. And then you get a free movie. So like I could no wait, that's not right. <laughs> no, I think you just get one credit, like one okay. movie or whatever. But okay. There's also discount days. So almost every time you and I go see a movie, I go on Tuesdays because those are the discount days. And they're usually yes. five or six dollars. It's usually okay. five fifty. And you save money on concessions, which I rarely get concessions. Mm-hmm. Um but so it's it's a good deal, but I do think twenty dollars for unlimited ones a month or three a month or whatever. Three, yeah, it's three. That's a better deal. Three a week, which I I don't think I would ever see three in a week unless uh-huh. it was just like tons of releases out. And you can right. see you can see IMAX and all that. It's not any extra to Dang. go see that or three D. And you get you do get upgrades on concessions, but like you, I don't really get concessions very often because that's yeah. where it starts to get pricey. So that's when I, I sneak them in. Yeah. Oh, I. That's the yeah. only rule I break, really. In I the snuck world. in a like, bag of Sour Patch Kids for this movie, so I no love shame. Sour Patch Kids. Also, <laughs> I love this. This episode has now become a review of movie ticket services. <laughs> yes. So those are your two options, mainly AMC A List yeah. and, and the Cinemark service. So yeah, but, but I just thought, yeah, the app's really easy to use too. So that's not yes. an ad for AMC A List, but uh, there you go. So I do pay for it because, or I had up until 2020 because. At Christmas time, we would all go as a yeah. family, and usually yep. Amanda's family would go, and it paid for itself for the one thing. Yeah. Anyway, but that's good to know because this is a movie podcast, so I'm sure we're not the only ones that care about that information. So thank you for that. Yes, that's all my recommends, though. So I have a couple. First of all, I just want to let everybody know a new season of The Bachelorette has officially started. I mainly care about this season because The Bachelorette is Katie. Hello. Oh, okay. And Didn't I loved her on the last season. Yes, she's a brunette. Hello. Um, but I haven't watched it yet. There's only been one episode. It was this week, so it's on Hulu now. So I'll be watching that for sure ASAP. Also, Jared, I'm sure you heard this, but Chris Harrison is no longer with the franchise. Yes. So, so now, do you think this will have a big effect on the show, or do you think it will kind of just be business as usual, but with a different oh, host? I think it's going to be business as usual. Okay. I think it could lead to more people caring. Um, I do. I wonder more than anything if it's going to lead to different, more positive outcomes with the people on the show. Because, for example, this one, Katie is the bachelorette and Tasha and Caitlin, who are two former bachelorettes who are still like happily with people. Um, they are co-hosting oh, and okay. it's women helping another woman. And I feel like they're going to give more honest feedback and feedback from doing the show where I think in the end that's going to, and Katie's a very decisive person too. So I feel like all of that could actually lead to a positive outcome and a lasting love and possibly okay. marriage. Whereas I think Chris sometimes would play into the, oh, ABC told me to do this. Yeah. Yep. That yep. makes sense. So, and um, with the, you know, they can always switch the hosts up every season if they yes, want to as well. Yes. So that kind of is and, nice too. And I don't know if they're going to do like what Jeopardy's doing where they kind of had different hosts and yeah. stuff, but I could see them doing that. And now they would have the opportunity to have a Hispanic host or a person of color, mm-hmm. like somebody different than Chris Harrison. So yeah. I'm all for it. 
the man is rich. He doesn't need any money. I'm not worried about him in the slightest. Also, yes. learn from your mistakes. Okay. I have two book recommendations, but I have a, a plenty to say about one of these. So first I read Big Summer by Jennifer Weiner. It was so cute. Jared, both the books I'm talking about tonight had murders in them. I had no idea when I started the books that there were murders in them. <laughs> oh, good to know. So. so I don't know if I didn't read the book jackets. I don't really know, but you know me and murder and crime. It was like a little Easter egg just for me. I was so excited. Yeah. I was like, someone died. And then- I mean, I have the other book that you're going to talk about in a second. And the cover <gasps> of that book does not look like a no, murder happens in but it. But so. for, for real, it does. And you hear Good about it know. at the beginning of the book. Okay. Okay. And I, so not a spoiler. Yes. Now, Big Summer that I'm talking about, that one, the murder happens quite a ways in. But I do think it said it on the book jacket. And I think I just didn't read the book jacket. But okay. it's a book about a plus size woman who's a blogger, Instagrammer. Love it. And I also like reading about someone who's more of a normal size human being. And she uh, has a best friend, but they had a falling out, whatever. The best friend's murdered, which I think you know oh, the whole boy. thing. Okay. So yes. it's like, did she do it? But it's mainly a story about friendship, like how friends can naturally drift away or how people can be kind of evil as kids. And mm, then they can yeah, grow yep. up to really change um, and help people. So I thought it was great. And it was, a, I couldn't put it down. It took me two days. It was like 300 something pages. Loved it. The second book that you are referring to, I mentioned this on a recent episode of the podcast. It took me like a year and a half to read this. Just kidding. But it was like over a week and a half, which is ridiculous for me. Um, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. I really wanted to mention this because I wanted to use this platform to tell you all this book had a lot of hype. And when people do this to me, it often will not live up to the hype. And that is what happened with this book. It was beautifully written. Cool story. I was into it. There's a lot I loved about it. But it was not a five star for me. And I think most of that was because people made it sound like it was going to be life changing. And it definitely was not. So it's like um, the Fre- like Frederick Bachman. I like his books. And like yes, anxious yes. people was like really it hyped wasn't up. as good. Yeah. And it just wasn't as good as some it of his other ones. I yeah. know. I totally Same thing, agree like with you. The hype machine was behind it full force. Yes. And it just wasn't as good as like some other ones that he's done. So yes. And before anyone hates on me that listens to this podcast, there was a lot I loved about the book. I loved it was about a young girl. It was a female protagonist. And it was a lot about how she was treated. She was stereotyped and treated poorly, much like people treat other races poorly. Um, because she grew up in a marsh. She was uneducated. Her family abandoned her. Um, she's accused of murder in this. And because she's uneducated and they call her the marsh girl, like people automatically assume she's basically dumb and dirty and disgusting. So they assume she's capable of murder. Anyway, it was really good. And I, the writing was beautiful. Like truly, it was like pretty, pretty poetic. However, Jared, I, you might be surprised to hear this. I wanted to mention this because they're making it into a movie. It's already started filming. I think this is the very, very, very rare exception where I think this could be a better movie than the book or maybe suited more for a movie than a book. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I could be wrong, so, but okay. we'll see. But it's filming now and stay tuned. I'm sure we'll review it when it comes out, if it's worth seeing. I'm sure we will. So yeah. those are our recommends. So we'll move into our review now of Cruella, which came out on May 28th. As we mentioned, Disney Plus also in theaters, depending on your family situation. It may be cheaper to go see this in theaters for Katie and I. There's only one other person that we have to consider when we go see the movies. So 
Um, it's only twenty dollars, maybe fifteen. But if you have a mm-hmm. family of five or six, it might be cheaper to get it on Disney Plus for thirty dollars and watch it at your house. So now, I would, I would pay for Rupert to go see it, but I think we've all learned that Rupert just falls asleep during most movies. Yeah, so he's not going to hang out for the long mm-hmm. haul, really, uh, for no. this one. So uh, it's PG-13. That's kind of a, a change for a Disney movie, PG-13, because we mm-hmm. are dealing with a woman who, you know, is a villain and has killed dogs in her past. So Well, and there's abandonment. There's like, there's some dark themes there's, in this yeah, movie. There's some Parent definite, dying. Yeah, real dark themes that's, in this that's one. That's rough. <laughs> uh, the ratings, uh, why it's PG-13, thematic elements, and some violence. So it's also two hours and 14 minutes. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. IMDb, 7.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 74% audience, 97%. Audiences love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like critics, this is an easy one to dunk on if you're a critic and just say that you hate it because you're like, uh, just remaking a blah, blah, blah. You know, like... A lot of them said they didn't like the plot and stuff. I actually strongly disagree with that. Um, I thought the plot was was, fine, yeah. (laughs) I did too. It was harder for me to find positive reviews because a lot of the critics did dunk on it, like you said. Um, And I wanted to be fair, but a lot of them also weren't well said. Like they would just be like, this movie sucked. And then they wouldn't like back it up with anything. So I don't really have negative comments in our critics section. Um, But there definitely were a fair amount of critics who did not like this film. And box office wise, we're recording this a few weeks before you'll hear it more so than like a normal episode would be. So the box mm-hmm. office might have gone up substantially by the time you hear this. But right now, as we're recording it, $44 million domestically, $88 million worldwide. That's pretty solid considering yeah. we're still dealing with a pandemic. People are still getting vaccinated. Not everybody is comfortable going back to the theater yet. Or maybe you're in the process of getting vaccinated. You want to wait till you're fully vaccinated to do that. But $88 million worldwide is pretty solid for a Disney movie, uh, you know, about a, a character that I would say is is liked, but I don't know if has such a big fan base as like The Little right. Mermaid or Cinderella or, you know, it is also a villain. So if you don't know, the synopsis is a live action prequel feature film following a young Cruella de Vil. So there you go. Some critics reviews for this movie. First, we have Sandra Hall of The Age in Australia, who says Stone's performance slips into high gear, reaching an entertainingly manic level. And Emma Stone plays Cruella, if you didn't Mm -hmm. know. There's a crazed glint in her eye that is more than a match for Thompson's Basilisk stare. And Jalepsky's design department backs her up. That's a big thing is the fashion is going to be talked about a lot. I thought this was a little funny because... This woman said Thompson's basilisk stare and a uh, basilisk. Uh, if you don't know, Emma Thompson was also in Harry Potter and a yes. basilisk was the evil snake or whatever that Voldemort had. I just think that that's funny. He who shall not be named Katie. Oh shoot. Sorry. guys. <laughs> Sorry. Gee whiz. Uh, Is he going to come back? Yeah. He's going to come back no, for he you. Go- he gone. He gone. <laughs> Spoiler for Harry Potter, which is, you know, if you don't know what happens at this point, (laughs) you've had enough time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 20 years. Come on. Next up is Adam Graham of the Detroit News, who says at two plus hours, Cruella could use a few trims, but as a mood board, it's a smashing success. So, yeah, everything kind of all the design elements of this. You can tell they had a theme and they fit that theme very well. So uh, next up is Mia Johnson of Salon.com, who says Cruella shines as possibly one of the strongest new era live action Disney films. 
yeah, it's uh, it's solid for sure. So I agree. definitely better than some of these other live action remakes that they've done. So finally, we have Chris Stuckman of ChrisStuckman.com. He's a I watch his YouTube videos sometimes. He's a oh. good good reviewer as well. So nice. Um, he says this movie surprised me. It's a gorgeous looking movie. That it is, and I think I agree with him too. That this surprised me as well. I was intrigued to see it, but I didn't really have a lot of expectations for it. And I would say it exceeded those expect it was better than I thought it was going to be. And I think it was better than it had to be, honestly. So because people would have seen this, whether it was great or not. So uh, it's directed by Craig Gillespie. He's a well-known Australian director who's directed Lars and the Real Girl. I, Tanya, if you saw that a few years ago, that was a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, The Finest Hours and Million Dollar Arm. He has several upcoming projects, but they've already announced they're making a sequel to this. Cruella 2. He'll be back to direct. Um, but I don't know if this movie needs a sequel. I so I don't know either, but did you watch to the end of the credits? No, I did not stay all the way. There till the was end. they set it up for a sequel. Okay. Oh, end. I did see that scene. Yes, you're okay. talking about the credit scene. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then also, um, I just a quick correction. I think it's Gillespie. Gillespie. Okay. I only say that because I went to school with several Gillespies, and it was spelled okay. that way. Gillespie, yes. not Gillespie. Okay. Right. Gillespie is his name, and we'll talk more about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Cruella when we come back here on the Silver Screen Podcast. And we're back here on the show talking about Cruella. This movie has a fairly large cast. I mean, it's a Disney movie. There's going to be a lot of extras and stuff in it and people with small parts, but there's only a few people that you're really following throughout the film. First one of those is Emma Stone, who plays Cruella. Oh, yeah. This is a crush alert situation for both of us. Thank you, Jared. Emma Stone, of course, plays Estella and also Cruella DeVille in this film. Um, More to that backstory later. But I do want to say I always feel a kinship with Emma, and I especially did in this movie because we have the same complexion. I know I've said it before about other people, but I feel like Emma and I are the same shade of pale. Truly. <laughs> but you'd have to you'd have to be me probably to see it. But I, I really truly feel like we're the same um shade of white, if you will. Um, but anyway, we were also born within a month and a half of each other. So yes. now Emma is best known for the help, Birdman, the favorite, Easy A, Super Bad, Zombieland, Crazy Stupid Love, and La La Land. She's been nominated for three acting Oscars already, including Best Supporting Actress in Birdman and The Favorite. But in 2017, she won a Best Actress Oscar for a very memorable Oscar presentation. She won for her role in La La Land. Next up, she will star in The Curse and Poor Things. Oddly enough, they did not have Cruella 2 listed on here, but they did have that that was being directed next. But I would bet she's in that one. Yeah, I'd bet she would come back for that. I mean, I can't really see them switching out the main character for somebody else. Yeah, right. Then next up we have Emma Stone. I mean, I think for for my you mean money, Emma they're Thompson. both. Oh my god! I did. Sorry, <laughs> I even looked at Thompson. I was going to say thank you so much. Emma Jared. Stone plays the main character and yes. the the villain and as well, the... <laughs> no. and her alter ego. So she plays. She just was, does it all. <laughs> she does it all. But I was going to say Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. I think rival each other. Like I don't even know that I could tell you who the star is of this film because they're both that good. But Emma Thompson is who we're talking about now. She plays the Baroness. She is another one of my favorite actresses. She is English, and she is also a jack-of-all-trades. I say that because she is best known for Remains of the Day, 
Sense and Sensibility, Love Actually, and for playing Professor Trelawney in the Harry Potter series. The reason she's a jack of all trades is she has been nominated for four Oscars, including Best Supporting Actress for In the Name of the Father and Best Actress for Sense and Sensibility and Remains of the Day. And in 1993, she won a Best Actress Oscar for her role in Howard's End. But she also won a Best Screenplay Oscar in 1996 for Sense and Sensibility. So she's a writer as well. Yes. And then next up, she will play Get This Jared, Miss Trunchbull in the remake of Matilda. Okay. That should be. Did you be... know this was happening? I did not know a remake of Matilda also, was happening. Also, another, another villain. I know. So she can totally do that, though. She's good. You know, she's truly gifted because she can be just as good of a villain as she can be the hero. Yes. Yep. Yeah. For sure. And then this movie is also starring a lot of these people were very were familiar to me, but maybe I wouldn't have known their names. Joel Fry, Paul Walter Hauser, John McCrea and Mark Strong, who I do know from a bunch of things. Yeah. Mark Strong was I feel like they almost could have used him a little more in this movie. I, feel I like know he's you great. Have Mark Strong and he's only in like seven he scenes. So, so great. <laughs> can I just tell you this isn't a spoiler because I was wrong at the beginning. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's her dad. I was like, that is her dad. I know that's her dad. And that was not right. <laughs> that was not correct. Also, yeah. we may, we're going to talk about likes and dislikes now. We may spoil this movie. So it's kind of hard to talk about without talking about some like key things that happen. So, yes. so just FYI, if you haven't seen Cruella, you don't want to know what happens. Mm-hmm. Go see it. Come back. Listen to this. So yes. we'll start with our likes, of course. The, the glaringly obvious like of this movie, the one that stands out, whether you've seen it or not, if you just saw Hello. a trailer, if you saw the poster is the costumes and the wardrobe. Yes. I mean, I would expect we're still very early in the movie year, but I would expect this to get nominated for best costumes at at the Oscars. Me it's, too. They're fantastic. Me too. Jared, I really am so appreciative that you appreciated that as well. You could tell, I don't know who like I don't know how they found people to do these costumes. I don't know what, but they were astonishing every single look there wasn't a single thing even when she had to look grubby and kind of like a street urchin urchin <laughs> for back lack of a better word she still looked fabulous and like she had doc martens she had this grungy look going she had these cute like 70s little newsboy caps i mean just fantastic and the gowns were exquisite it's some of the best fashion i think i've ever seen in a film but way to go disney also, I liked that at the start of this movie, they kind of set it up when she is a child, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. sometimes I normally wouldn't like because you're like, let's get to Emma Stone. That's why I'm here. You know, I want to see her as right. an adult. That's kind of why I'm here. But as you learn later in the movie, that stuff that happens in her childhood is fairly important to who she yep. is as an adult and how it affected her life. So um, I thought that was that was normally I don't like those type of things when they do that right at the beginning of a movie. But I thought for this, it worked well. And, and set up the story well. Agreed. And also, I do want to give credit where credit's due. So Cruella is dressed. She's This woman has already won two Academy Awards before for costume design. Her name is Ginny Beaven. I think I'm saying that right. B-E-A-V-A-N. She did Mad Max Fury Road and A Room with a View. So clearly she has already, you know, won accolades for her designs, but you can, you can tell. And if she hadn't already won an Oscar, I'd say give it to her right now. Yeah, 
yeah, she did a great job with these costumes. Mm-hmm. So the acting's really solid in this. Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Absolutely. they act off of each other very well. Of course, Emma Stone plays Cruella. Emma Thompson plays, we haven't really talked about her character a ton. She plays the mm-hmm. Baroness, and it's like this big fashion company in London um, yes. that you would compare to, you know, some big fashion designer today, like a Marc yeah. Jacobs or, a, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Victoria so, Beckham. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. but, you know, and then Emma Stone works for her. And that's how they get to know each other because Emma Stone wants to be a fashion designer. So, yeah. but the acting is really great by both of them because they both know their characters very well and they both act with one another very well in the scenes that they are in together. Also, I love seeing Emma Stone in like these couture looks because she's a beautiful woman. But she normally plays like like love, actually, like she's beautiful, but they make her look like a mom. They make her look just kind of like hardly any makeup and just, you know, even like La La Land, all of those outfits are very like very safe, I would say. Like, yeah, the costumes in La La Land, it's just a bunch of like. Did I say Emma Stone? Because I definitely meant Emma Thompson. (laughs) What is wrong with me? You guys, I'm so sorry. I meant Emma Thompson. I'm going to double check every time. No, but let's go with what you were saying about La La Land. Okay, I was just going to say Emma Stone is kind of, I thought you were talking about Emma Stone originally Mm -hmm. because same type thing in a lot of the movies that she's been in, The Help and, you know, Mm -hmm. Crazy Stupid Love and even Easy A and stuff like that. They're very simple. La La Land, very simple costumes, but this, they really expand on that. You're so. right. And I'm I'm not just saying that to be agreeable because I normally, when I think of Emma Stone, I'm thinking of red carpet looks and stuff where she's really dolled up, has mm-hmm. lipstick on the whole nine. But you're absolutely right. Her other performances have not been very um, glamorous. And then Emma Thompson, I was thinking the same where she, she just, she has played such a variety of roles, but rarely anywhere we're seeing high couture, full makeup, bright red lips. And I loved it. I loved the turbans she wore in her hair. Everything was so good. And it was nice to see both of them in these glam looks. Yes. Also, the story is really good for this. That's a that's a highlight. I think the story is better than it needed to be for this movie. Yeah. Got me entertained the whole way. There's a few twists throughout the course of the movie that you find out um, with some things that work mm-hmm. really well. And the fact that, you know... Cruella is trying to make a name for herself and, you know, works for this fashion agency, but wants to be her own designer and do her own thing as well. Um, And then Emma Thompson trying to, you know, run a fashion business and her business isn't doing super great. They haven't had a lot of great success in the past couple of years. People aren't buying, you know, their clothes Mm -hmm. and things like that. So the story really has some depth to it where it could have very easily been like, here's Cruella. She's a villain. Here's Emma Thompson. She works for the other fashion, you know, uh-huh. they're going against each other. But the fact that they had that set up, even with her like friends, I forget their names that they meet earlier in the, they're with, they're with Cruella kind of throughout the entire movie. Horace but and those, Jasper. Yes. Horace they're and Jasper. In, they're in the 101 Dalmatians movies too. Th- okay. Those, those two characters. characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. So those two, um, and then the dogs are fun as well. Um, yep. so yeah, they just added a lot to the story that I think was good. It, you could tell they took a little more time on the script, which I think was, was important for this movie. Jared, thank you for saying that. Cause you just reminded me of a dislike. So remind me about dogs later. Okay. Um, but also I loved that this whole movie had a dark atmosphere to it. I know to some people that is not what they want or it's not indicative of Disney, but I, it reminded me a lot of The Dark Knight. Arjun did not agree with me on this, but okay. there were moments where I felt like I was watching Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Like it it just seemed 
it seemed like uh, the I don't know if it was the camera angles, the music at the time, the lighting, the outfits, but it I loved I love that kind of high drama, high stakes, dark atmosphere. So I thought they did a really, really good job with that. And I know that um, some people that's not what they want to watch. But for me, doing theater of all kinds and loving movies and stuff, it's always more fun to play the villain and be involved in that aspect as long as it's not real life. Um, it's much more fun to do that, I think, than play the the sweet hero. <laughs> also, I um, I really liked the soundtrack for this movie. Yes. It's a lot of punk rock from like the 70s. Um, yes. And it's a lot of really just like song like the doors you know queen. super tramp queen there Horns was a the ccr song did a, i think did a song for this yeah yep. so was bowie in there um i don't i'm looking at the soundtrack now even if he wasn't you know who reminded me of him was Artie. so there's a character of Artie that's definitely a like of mine Artie is like i don't even know if you would say i don't think he is transgender um but I don't know if he does drag, but he definitely loves like the, I feel like it might not be appropriate to say gender bending anymore, but he loves, he's very androgynous. That's what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say, which I loved about his character. And he works in a fashion store nearby. He befriends Emma Stone's character of Estella, who becomes Cruella. And I love his attitude, his friendship, his work ethic. He was great, but he reminded me so much of Bowie because he had the lightning bolt under his eye. The haircut was exactly Bowie in the 70s. So I thought that that was a good, I don't, I think that was intentional and I think it was yeah. a good, good idea. Yeah. He was, he was a fun character. So also nice that Anita was a black woman as well. Yes. So just some diversity in there, which is very nice. So I know I thought that was great because, because we're just so used to assuming she's white. I, I also liked the choice of having her work at Tattletale. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. in London they have something called the Tattler. I don't okay. think they have Tattletale, but I, I don't know if that was what they were trying to do. I also could be wrong about that name. But it's it's fun because it, it's clear that she cares about journalism and stuff and integrity, but she also kind of works for one of those, like the Inquirer or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she she cares about her job and she tries really hard. And that's how we're introduced to Anita, who we later who later has all the 101 Dalmatians and owns Perdita. Perdita and Pongo fall in love and they have the Dalmatians. Anyway, I thought that was a really good introduction to her and i just loved that she was a woman of color also the camera work is really good in this movie there's very cool they do a lot of like dolly shots tracking shots uh things of that nature where that which they'll cruella will do these big reveals later in the movie of like she'll show up to an event that emma thompson the baroness they're holding and she'll basically crash it and do her own thing and every time that happens it's like three or four times in the movie uh the camera work in those scenes is really just really good so also the the one where she like does the concert outside that was one of my like yeah. favorite parts of the movie i just thought that that was really really cool and like really well done and gave it like an edge that you just don't see in a in a Disney movie usually you know something like that it would be rare for that type of thing to be in a, in a Disney movie so yes and really just to sum up my likes for this movie this was the most Stefan this movie has everything moment <laughs> for me because I, I, this movie was a time period I like the 70s the music was great high fashion I can't get enough actors that I love and in London I mean it's literally like taking all my favorite things and putting them into a movie so it would have been really hard to make me not like this film 
yeah, this was pretty solid. So we'll move on to our dislikes now. This is my biggest dislike with this movie. So for if you're watching it, you have Estella who works at the, f- the fashion agency with the Baroness. Then you have Cruella. My biggest dislike is that it took them forever to figure out that Estella was Cruella when they yeah. basically have the same name. They're both involved in fashion. I mean, some common sense makes you think, hey, we have this girl that works for us named Estella. Maybe we should ask her about this Cruella person. You know what I mean? That's doing a lot of fashion design. So they got to it eventually. They did mm-hmm. get there eventually, but I just felt like it was like 30, 45 minutes after it needed to get there, which kind of goes into the other dislike is that it's a little too long. So, but that was my biggest thing yes. is like, they haven't figured out that these are the same person yet. Like me as an audience member, I, it seems pretty obvious. So, <laughs> so I fully agree with you on that. However, this was one instance where I kind of just let it go and was like, okay. okay, they want me as an audience member to believe they haven't recognized her. And that's preposterous, but okay. <laughs> I just kind of, so like, I really, if this was another film, I would probably be like, yes, absolutely. For this one, I'm kind of like, oh, that was something that I considered, but I also was just kind of like, I'm going to buy into this. I accept it, Okay. but found other things that bothered me. But my number one gripe too is the length of the film. It's not even that, there wasn't a time where I zoned out ever. But I think they could have easily cut this down 15 minutes. Like, I think there was a lot. 2025, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I think there was a ton of exposition at the beginning, which I agree with you. I think it was good to show what happened to her as a child, what, how she got to London, all that. But we didn't quite need 25 minutes of that. Yeah, it was it it was a long, long time before Emma Stone showed up on screen. So yes, and the other scene I would cut. I actually gave this some thought beforehand. The other scene I really didn't care for, and I don't care for this in any film when they do this, was she doesn't break the fourth wall. But there's a scene where I'm trying not to spoil it. Something significant happens. She goes to the fountain to talk to her mom, and she does like a monologue, like to herself, like explaining to the audience. I'm mad. I'm going to go seek revenge. This is why I just found out this. I don't like when people do that because you're assuming that the audience is too dumb to figure that out. Like I, as a viewer, was not too dumb to understand why she wanted to go kill or hurt the Baroness. I was not confused about why she was upset or feelings of abandonment or feelings of being tricked. So I never, but that's, that's any movie that does that. I think the only time that was ever like really appropriately used was Shakespeare. Like Shakespeare was the the master at doing stuff like that, but usually would break the fourth wall. But this, I just didn't like, and that scene was like five or 10 minutes. And I thought, yeah, you could have cut that whole thing. And I would have still loved this just as much. Yeah. I, uh, when that scene started, I went to the restroom, um, (laughs) and then I came back and I asked Allison, I was like, did I miss anything? And she was like, no, she just wrapped up the monologue. And I was like, okay. So she's just telling us everything that we already know. Like I've been paying attention. I don't need, we know you're mad at the Baroness for, you know, killing your mother. We know that you're mad at the, at her for trying to stifle your fashion designs and Mm -hmm. not letting you express your full creativity. You know, like we, these are things that we just understand about your character up at this point in the movie. So yes, that was, that was an easy, that could have been an easy cut of five minutes right there. Agreed. So, and there was only one other thing I didn't like. So thank you for reminding me about dogs earlier. So this is something that might not have bothered you and fully bothered me. The Dalmatians. Two things bothered me. One, I thought they looked fake. 
I thought they looked they, like I think super, they were CGI. Yeah. I think they looked 100% CGI. And I just was yeah. kind of like, why are you doing this? Use real dogs. And the other thing that bothered me was not only that they looked super fake, but also Dalmatians are not known as a vicious breed. Yeah. So to make them like essentially wolfhounds, like they looked like Rottweilers that really are pit bulls that really are angry. Cause I do not think they're always like that, that those breeds, but the, they're not attack dogs. And from the beginning, I was like, I don't know that I buy any of this. Like, I do believe dogs can attack people, obviously. Um, and this in Sherlock Holmes, there's a whole book about it. The Hound of the Baskervilles, where the Baskervilles are like dogs, but they're, they're hounds and they're vicious and they can kill people. That makes sense to me. Dalmatians, not so much. And not when they look like just straight up CGI. So that was my, that was like pretty disappointing for me. Yeah, uh, Dalmatians seem pretty nice, honestly. So, well, and, and it's hard. The, oh, yeah. so sorry. I'm sorry. It's hard say, to go from like them being evil to then we're going to go to another film and they're going to be adorable and we're going to want to save all of them. Yeah. Yep. Like they had puppies and it's fine. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, the other two. The other. Two, I was just going to say the other two dogs in the movie. They kind of go between like. I feel like they went between like actually having dogs for that and then like CGI at times because like there's times that those dogs will like come up next to him a stone or whatever, but you won't pet them or touch them or anything, which made me think that they were, and they looked a little fakey at times, but But then there's times where like Horace and Jasper are with them and they're holding them or petting them. And so those are actually like, you know, real dogs in that instance. So I don't, yeah, if you're going to make a movie about, about a villain that like dogs is a big focus, I feel like you got to have you got to have three Dalmatians in there, like real yes. Dalmatians. The one that with Glenn Close in it has real Dalmatians. Real Dalmatians, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, who are not vicious and bearing like fang teeth. <laughs> yeah, so they're like, we need to make this movie more edgy. Let's give right. the Dalmatians it was edgy some enough. fangs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, grade time for Cruella before this. we wrap this up. Katie's first this week, so yes. What do you I got? actually gave this thought earlier. So this is. I thought this was a great movie. I thought the plot was great. I loved everything I've already talked about. Time period, fashion, acting, everything. Very strong contender for me for a top film this year. I am giving this a 93. Nice. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you, but still pretty high. I'm going to give this uh, an 82 for this one. Ooh, so That is lower, but that's okay. Lower, but it's not really my type of movie either i mean it is in some ways but i'm not i'm just not as interested in fashion as you are Mm -hmm. um you know things of that nature i don't mind disney movies but they're not like my favorite movies in the world so same but i thought what this did it did it very well it was better i expected this was going to be like in the 60s for me and it was better better than that for sure this exceeded my expectations for sure Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's our thoughts on Cruella. You can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Instagram and Twitter. Search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us out. On the next episode, because season two is coming in just a few weeks, we're going to be talking about season one of Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus, which I watched a couple months ago. Katie just watched it this past week. We both love it, though. So... We're going to be discussing discussing that on our next episode. So tune in next time for our season one recap and review of Ted Lasso. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. 